Okay, um, hello everyone. This is the first Intercom Oil & Gas podcast. Uh, my name is Glenn Parrott. I'm with Intercom and with me is the managing director of our consulting group, Aaron Vandeford, Mr. Vandeford. Hey. So thank you for that intro. So how did we get here? Um, I guess that's one of the things I wanted to do on this intro is mention a little bit uh, kind of how this came about, why we're doing this. And I would like to provide some thanks on out uh, to those people who, through various conversations, have encouraged us to move forward um, in doing this podcast. You never know sometimes, but uh, Jacob Lorenz, uh, who works in the energy risk practice area at Marsh, um, one of those guys. Uh, David Ramson Wood with Franklin Mountain Energy. Appreciate the feedback and the encouragement. And of course, uh, to Aaron here for agreeing to go along with it, as well as the partners here at Anarcom. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So because of what Anarcom is and what we do and where we sit, really, as Aaron likes to say, at the intersection between the capital markets and the oil and gas industry, it made sense to kind of try and move this ball forward. Uh, we think we've got a lot of content and stuff to talk about. And so that's the, the genesis behind why we want to do this and move forward. And I think that um, for those people who don't know, um, I thought we'd go through an introduction to Intercom, what we do, our background, our history. You know, people who do know us, they, they tend to know us or refer to us as the conference company, but Intercom is, does so much more than that. And we've been around for... 25 years yeah. uh, since, well, at least since 1996. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and really, Intercom was founded on, I, well, it was founded on this notion around providing really IR and targeting work um, to the oil and gas industry. Um, but since then, it's morphed somewhat. And really, I would say, submit to you, there's three pillars now that it, that it sits on. And one is the conferences, certainly. Um, we run two energy investor conferences. One of them is one of the largest in the U.S. And it's the Oil and Gas Conference, held typically every August. Um, 80 to 100 presenting companies um, and 2,000 plus attendees, primarily uh, buy side, sell side analysts uh, and industry participants. Uh, we also have our um, our winter, winter slash springtime energy investor event, Intercom Dallas. It's been around for three years, but really it's a, uh, a variation on what was for 14 years the oil and services conference in San Francisco. And that was, we moved away from San Francisco after 2016 and went to Dallas. And uh, we just wrapped up the, the Dallas event um, a few weeks ago, and we can sort of talk about that a little bit later on. Um, the second thing that we do is consulting, uh, which Aaron heads up. So I'll let Aaron, you can introduce the consulting group. Yeah, the consulting group. Uh, we're really, so if we were, if Entercom is built on these three pillars, there's kind of four uh, components under the consulting uh, umbrella. And we think of those as targeting, analytics, media, and graphics. And so from a targeting perspective, we work with our clients in the energy space. Uh, and we define energy as, as EMP operators, oil field service, midstream, 
and private equity and, and other financial markets that are tied in and around uh, the space and making sure that we're connecting uh, good ideas with capital and good ideas and products with, with buyers of services on our oil field service. And so that targeting aspect, um, at the end of the day, we're trying to marry those up and we, we use this, these other three components to do that. Uh, analytics, we take a very analytical approach. Uh, one of the reasons why we're, we're doing this podcast is, is we're taking a look at the market and identifying what's going on in the space uh, to help better craft these messages. And so we've got a, uh, a whole analytics team here. Uh, we have petroleum engineers on staff who are driving some of those thoughts to help us better connect those ideas. Uh, we have a media component, and so we're looking to raise visibility out there in the public space, in the PR space, whether that be on TV or national media or trade or local. Um, media is an important component. And then tying it all together is really the graphics. And we have a full service graphic design team that can uh, take these ideas and help us make it look pretty and convey pictures to, uh, to tell a story. And uh, so that's that at a very high level is what we're working on with a lot of our clients. Yeah, the, I would say the, the conferences are actually uh, really just an extension of that um, consulting practice around um, getting investors uh, or getting companies in front of the right investors mm -hmm. just on a very big scale or uh, high profile or high visibility scale. And I would say on, on the face-to-face -face level, and it's really important yeah. to have those face-to-face -face meetings uh, as well as, you know, in, in the digital era, where we're pushing out all this information. At the end of the day, we, we still want to make those face-to-face -face connections for um, our, our target markets as well as our clients. And then um, the, the, the last leg of that stool is certainly publishing. Uh, and again, from that, Oil & Gas 360 um, is the uh, industry publication. And really that came about through through your management consulting services. Um, people ask us, or were asking, I guess, at the time, you know, what we were hearing, what we were seeing in the industry, asking your opinions. And so it, it's really funny. It's kind of started out the same way as, as we're starting this podcast. <laughs> and it was, hey, what are you guys seeing and thinking in the industry? And we said, well, we better start telling people. And, you know, as, as podcasts are, are gaining traction and people are getting their news differently, um, you know, it's, it's another way for us uh, from a con consulting and, and analytics perspective, get our information but, out. But it's really grown, though, since when yeah. you guys first started it. I Absolutely. Mean, I mean, before then, at that time, it was more of a blog, uh, just purely of your guys doing write-ups. Is that right? No, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, when we started, we were doing one or two, three pieces a week. Yeah. Um, and it was fairly in-depth analysis, but it was hey, we saw this one thing, let's kind of flush that out. And now we're into a daily news cycle. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's really expanded. Uh, again, it's become almost more of a news aggregator as well. As, as, but we also have sponsored content on there. Um, it also um, has expanded to a daily email, which is Closing Bell, uh, which has grown. It's now up to 30,000 subscribers uh, and uh, goes out daily. Uh, it also has our, our monthly reports, which you were mentioning a little bit earlier about some of the, the analytical thought-ups, uh, thought the analytical write-ups and thoughts that the guys have. Uh, but it also hosts uh, our valuation, benchmarking, and financial data dashboards. Uh, 
which is just a, an extension of a weekly product that we used to produce. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to have those in a digital format where we can get them out to more people. That was that was something that we in, produced internally in Excel spreadsheets and, and our consulting team used it um, to help kind of uh, to answer the question ultimately, why are companies trading the way they're trading? And I think there's a lot more uses for it now. Um, and I think it's pretty exciting to, as we have more conversations with folks see how they want to use it. But we knew how it was used in our own business, but we didn't have a way to get it out there. And so now that's out there. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see that. Yeah, the, you know, the, the upside around that is it's really morphed from this sort of spreadsheet and wall of numbers that, that you can't do much with. Well, you can, but, um, but you have to bring your ruler. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Mine's on my desk every day. <laughs> but, uh, but now it's, it's a little more dynamic, I guess, and, and extensible, meaning that it's not just on a PDF or a spreadsheet on your computer, but you can also access it, you know, for what it's worth via your mobile devices. So yeah. to me, that's just sort of a natural extension as it goes from there. So that's, uh, the, you know, the, the three elements, uh, uh, pillars at, at Intercom. And as Aaron mentioned, you know, this podcast is seemingly uh, a, a, an extension of that original spirit. Um, or people asking us our thoughts and opinions and just sharing it, really, just trying to, to share it and see how things go along. Um, I, I think, you know, between the two of us here, my, I think my role, at least initially, is to sort of lead this conversation along, um, hopefully try to ask the right questions, extract uh, information from smarter people than myself, like you. So that's the and other folks in the industry. And, you know, I think as we kind of put this together, we're, there's no shortage of ideas that we want to kind of talk about. And so as we kind of get get through and get rolling on to our, our more topics, it, it's going to be pretty pretty fun, I think. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and hopefully this won't be just one big commercial for everyone out there listening. Uh, for Intercom, you know, the goal is to, to kind of be in front of what we're hearing and seeing. And so... Uh, conceptually, I think we're, you know, the structure of this podcast would have a section around things that are timely and topical, sort of news of the week. We do see this as a weekly podcast. Um, the, the, the section on timely and topical, I certainly think that one of the items that, that I think we should talk about, I don't know I'm prepared to today, and that is at least what's very important coming around very rapidly in Colorado which is uh, Senate Bill 181, which is really, a, uh, I don't want to say an attack on the oil and gas industry in Colorado, but it is certainly a, a first or potentially second volley in an effort to uh, curb or restrain the oil and gas industry here. Um, and I say the second because last November, if you didn't know or you weren't in Colorado, um, Colorado defeated Proposition 112 which sought to increase setbacks in operations uh, for oil and gas companies from 500 feet to 2,500. And that measure really would have put an end to drilling on about 95% of non-federal land in the state. And just on the heels of that election, you know, that, that same election uh, in which um, Governor Polis was elected, um, now we've got Senate Bill 181. It's come along very rapidly and very fast. Um, and, and that's why I'm not, I don't, I'm not, things are happening so fast on that bill. I, if I were to say something now, it would be out of date by, uh, by next week. No, and I, but I do think it's an important topic. And, uh, you know, as we, as we kind of learn a little bit more about what's going on 
uh, as things are progressing, obviously, as you said, very quickly, uh, we'll want to take a deeper dive because I think it does have implications, certainly for, for Colorado operators, but other states that are looking to Colorado to, to potentially find something that they could implement somewhere else. Uh, it, it's something that will have a ripple effect across the industry, not just here in Colorado. So I think um, certainly we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. Yeah. And the other areas that, that we want to explore um, are, again, those things that we think are timely and topical. I, I certainly think that there are aspects around, you know, we're involved a lot with oil field tech and innovation, and those are items that we can discuss. Hopefully we'll have interviews with interesting guests from the industry that can provide their uh, views and insights as well. So um, that's the, uh, uh, the, the, the nature of at least how we're seeing this pan on out. And one of those things that we will be talking about might be a review of our conferences. And in this event, I was thinking we could just kind of wrap up Dallas. So I mentioned earlier, we did our Intercom Dallas event. Uh, again, it's much smaller than our uh, large Denver event, but um, nonetheless, coming out of it, you know, what were those themes? What were those things that we heard? What were, you know, what were people really talking about? And what are companies really planning for going into 2019? So I thought we might kind of maybe hit on some highlights on that. So yeah, from no, your I'm perspective, what and what was the, some of those items that come out to you? Yeah, so I think the, the certainly there were some highlight presentations and we'll, we'll get into, you know, Chris Wright with Liberty, I'm sure. Uh, but from like a, a general theme perspective, we certainly got a perspective on where oil prices are going. I think people are thinking we're going to be more range bound here in this high 50s, low 60s. And so that is something that that are playing into the capital budgeting process and the, the need for free cash flow or cash flow uh, generation to fund those budgets. Uh, the capital markets from the equity side there hasn't been a whole lot of new equity raised. Uh, so companies are having to look at their own operations to fund future growth here in the near term and, and a range bound market. And so there was a lot of discussion there around, all right, where are we going from a capital spending and growth perspective? And, and there's still growth out there. Um, by no means did anyone really say, hey, we're, we're taking our foot off the, uh, the pedal and putting it on the brakes. We're just kind of lifting up a little bit on the gas pedal. And uh, I think that's probably okay. So, you know, what did you? What about from the investor side of things? Um, you know, the certainly emphasis last year on free cash flow still there. Yep. Um, you know, they're seemingly rewarding those capital plans, like you mentioned, that moderate growth. Yeah. Um, generating free cash and also decreasing of spending. But um, did you hear anything different from any of those guys or? No, I think one of the interesting things that I would add to that is, is and we saw got a, we got a flavor of this at, at our conference, uh, was an increasing or renewed uh, interest in looking at some of the international side of the business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we see when we hear those stories, a lot of bang for the buck. And there's, there's big, massive reserves out there that some of these international companies are making great progress on. And investors are seemingly willing to put some capital towards those types of ideas uh, outside of your traditional, you know, U.S. moderate growth, free cash flow generation, decreased spending. There's opportunities for some of these, uh, I, I would say needle movers, out, certainly for the companies, but needle movers in these portfolios 
uh, with names like a Geopark or, or Petrotel. Yeah, you know, as you mentioned that, and I was thinking about the international panel we held at Denver just in August, and that, you know, the ability of these companies recognizing the barriers that they have to overcome. Mm-hmm. So, and really in having those conversations with investors around um, where they've got to, some of those barriers may be things like regulatory, like they're afraid to invest into this certain area just because of the country or the region that they're in. Yeah. Uh, but if they if they have their ducks in a row and they know how to respond to that and answer that and get over that, then investors are seeing the real value opportunity there. No, that, that's exactly right. And we, we spent a little bit of time trying to break down some of those perceptions because perception ultimately is reality. But when you think about some of these political risks, uh, we certainly have it in our backyard. We were just talking about 181 here in Colorado. There's, <laughs> there's a, a real political risk here domestically even. And so, you know, California has had that same type of stigma in the past, but the operators that know how to deal and work within these structures and, and it, it's part of their DNA can really move forward. And, and I think, you know, pe- investors are starting to see that as, as companies message and help investors bring them across the wall on that. Some of the other uh, things that we heard a lot about, and or at least a, I feel like we saw in more presentations uh, was um, this dialogue around specifically the Permian and takeaway and real operational issues. Well, and I, to that point, I think it's it, we're, we're at a point where we're in a transition from this kind of ramp up uh, growth mode to really a development drilling style um, operations. And so some of these other plays like the Bakken and the Eagle Fur has kind of gone through this transition a little bit. But now as a as kind of a whole U.S. operation, we're much more focused on this development style drilling which also means that infrastructure needs to get built out. And, and certainly the Permian infrastructure was, was front and center and where we're going to be uh, getting that, that infrastructure and when is it coming online. Yeah, and, in, and uh, certainly a lot of dialogue around, again, um, the pipelines, right? That those are going to be constrained for the remainder, of, not remainder, for most of 2019. They've got, what, Gray Oak and Epic and Cactus too. Those are all scheduled to come online at the end of the year. Um, which will represent another two plus million barrels of oil per day of takeaway. So that's that's good, but you know, you kind of mentioned on the international side. If if we're looking at natural gas, gas going to Mexico, the infrastructure in Mexico just isn't there yet. So even though you're able to to get it to the border, you, now you've got those constraints as well. So that's another obstacle for that has to be overcome. No, that's right. And it, what's pretty interesting, at least in the Permian front. I was just talking to one of our analysts uh, before we came in here, looking at Permian differentials. And so we ended, you know, we were in the end of Q4 kind of 2018 timeframe, and we had $12 type of differentials to WTI that's come back considerably as we've seen progress with these midstream uh, entities getting pipelines uh, closer to that finishing line. Mm -hmm. And now we're under a dollar in a lot of places. And so it's pretty crazy how just the perception, and and not that these things have turned on yet, just the perception of the marketplace can move some of these uh, prices and differentials to WTI. That's that's even changed since, well, when I gave my presentation. I know. (laughs) It's moving very fast. It's a a fluid, if you'll pardon the pun, (laughs) situation. I love puns. (laughs) So, um, so were there any 
other things that, that, that came out of that conference, I, I felt coming out of it, um, I asked the question, then I answer it, I guess, um, but, but coming out of it in my mind, there is cautious optimism. Uh, Q4 was certainly detrimental um, to valuations and to, you know, people feeling, having confidence of, of you know, what exactly happened, the speed with which the, the, that downturn occurred. Um, but then again, unlike 2014, it kind of popped back up uh, and stayed over 45, and now we're in the, the, the 50s. And I think that generally, thematically, coming out of the conference, companies are like, okay, we, we feel comfortable enough we can withstand this mm-hmm. um, in this, in, you know, with our current existing efficiencies. We're okay there, but you know, obviously they do want to be a better market environment. But, but there wasn't panic or anything. There was a lot of confidence. There was a lot of confidence, and I, I think you, you saw that from everyone from the the domestic, you know, Permian producers on through to some of your natural gas guys who were seeing, you know, some elevated pricing due to to do uh, storage levels worth being below five year averages. Um, everyone kind of has a handle on, all right, kind of what does this range bound life look like for the near term? And I think we're much better prepared today for a range bound, I won't say low commodity price environment, but kind of where we are to be able to manage that through. And and you saw that from conversations with management teams. And I think uh, you also heard it from, from investors saying, we get it. Now let's go back to work and figure out what we need to do because, frankly, I think everyone's tired of sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, there's that, and uh, yeah, I think the investors. I mean, you know, they're they're certainly willing to tell management what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, uh, the and not to get away too much from that, but you know, in terms of the the overall conference, uh, again, I, I, I if I were to pick a, and I don't want to do this. Necessarily, it was a keynote lunch address, though, and I think it was really worth, uh, or is worth mentioning. Uh, if you didn't get the chance to see Chris Wright develop our lunch keynote or present his lunch keynote address on the first day, uh, go on out to intercomdallas.com and go to Companies and Liberty. Um, that was actually one of the the best uh, presentations I've seen. Yeah, we got a lot of feedback off that one, and. And rightfully so. I mean, he had a receiving line at the end of his presentation, just uh, people saying, hey, can I use that presentation or thanks for doing that? And he was really talking about uh, it was kind of a departure from the, the, the traditional, hey, here's my company. He kind of took a step back and said, here's how energy is affecting the global uh, economy. And really, how do we how is energy raising people out of poverty? And it was it was well thought out, well spoken. Uh, and, and well appreciated. I the intimate link between hydrocarbons and health. <laughs> yeah, it, no, no, it was, uh, and, that, and that's. I think that's why it resonated with everybody in that audience. I think that people heard Liberty was presenting, and they're like, "Oh, an oil field service group. Okay, that's that's going to be cool." And and then Chris comes out and just blows them away with his passion and um, and and his story that that really uh, very supportive of oil and gas. Um, and I, I, I thought it was really well done, and uh, and I, the feedback I've gotten after that, especially coming back into Colorado, was that, again, not to go back to Senate Bill 181 too much, but one of the the 
the key talking points that the public hears at least is has to do with safety and safety you know hydrocarbons are bad or at least the way it's being produced is not it's it's not conducive to your health and safety and that's a exactly 100% opposite of Chris's message saying, look, there's a real link, a very tangible link between health and hydrocarbon use. And yes, Chris's view is much more on the macro level um, as opposed to the more, what I would consider very targeted message from 181. But that's, it was a, again, I thought a great presentation. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that that I always appreciate when someone can lay out their data points and you can follow along and, and you certainly know where he, he sits on it, but you know, he allows you to make your own decisions as you kind of walk through that process. And, and I think it's really important as we have these really uh, focused, you know, not in my backyard discussions and really understand the, the larger uh, macro uh, benefits or, or implications is probably a better word uh, to our energy usage, and I think he reminded us of that. And it was it was very well done. Yeah, and and that's not to, to say that you know we didn't have other great presentations. I actually felt that we had a a, a pretty good varied uh, set of presentations. I was pretty happy with. So, no, it was, um, it was pretty good. Everywhere from you know uh, Porta Corpus Christi, <laughs> which was good. Haynes and Boone was there. Um, Drilling Info had two great presentations um, that uh, uh, I had. I've been asked. Hey, can we get a copy of that? I'm like, oh yeah, of course. So, um, and then and then of course we also had the uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Not to mention, you know, a bunch of good, great investor presentations. Investor presentations from all over. I mean, we we saw kind of the resurgence of some Haynesville things. We saw international. We saw, uh, you know, just across the board, a pretty good perspective of what's going on in the industry as a whole. So as we as we wrap this up, I uh, I, I wanted to uh, at least get this first one done to, to explain to people, again, who Intercom is, why we're here, and uh, uh, what we're seeing. We'd like for you to tune in. We think we're going to have a lot of good content for you going forward. Um, anything else from you, Mr. Vanderford? No, I think that's that I'm excited about exploring a lot of different topics. And, you know, I think we've set up an email address if there are topics that you guys want to hear from. Uh, please send it in. What is it? It is... OG podcast at entercominc.com. So, uh, well, OG podcast at E N E R C O M I N C.com. Um, and I guess at the end of this, uh, you know, again, going forward, we're going to have, again, more differentiated content for you to listen to, hopefully a little bit more um, that is going to be uh, interesting for you guys. And I just would say I'd like to wrap this on up, uh, thanking again those people who uh, have helped make this work, uh, not only here at Intercom, but external to us. And thank you for listening.